Well, everything this morning that I'm sharing will be up on the screen for you to follow through. However, I realize some of you do bring your Bibles along, and that's great also. Some of you have your smart devices. Feel free to take that out. You can turn to uh, Uversion and follow along also. Feel free to do that. We welcome those who are participating online. Part of the text this morning is taken from the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. This is entitled, The Great Commission, the Great Commission. This is where the disciples gather together just before Jesus ascends into heaven. This, I would say, are the marching orders for the church. The marching orders for the church. Let's read Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Is anyone here this morning? Fantastic. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, how much? All. I've looked up the Greek, and it actually means all, all. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There is so much in this. So just very quickly, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, is a simple reminder to us that the church is a troop carrier, not a luxury liner. It is a war vessel, not a tourist attraction. We are on mission for Jesus Christ according to this great commission. And the last command of Jesus must remain the first priority of the church. Jesus entrusted to these disciples way back in those days, as he does with us today, he entrusted to them the mission that would create a worldwide movement. They had no money. They had no programs. They had no buildings. They were witnesses. They were witnesses for Jesus. And ever since, the world has been turned upside down because of this mission, because of this great commission. We must ensure that the great commission does not become the great omission. In Jesus' name. All authority, all authority, let's take this part, let's take this apart just for a moment. All authority, Jesus said, has been given to me. All authority, this is not some authority. This is not partial authority. He says, all authority has been given to me. So we have scope and we have sphere here. Scope, all, sphere, where? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He isn't just one of the prophets here. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. And he received all the authority we're talking about here because of his death and because of his burial, but because of his resurrection. He stripped Satan. He stripped the enemy of his authority when he came and he arose victorious. Paraphrased authority. Paraphrased, if I could say. He's saying, I'm in charge, baby. I'm in charge. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm in charge, paraphrased, by the way. The next thing he goes on, he says, therefore, go. The first part of the word gospel, make sure we can spell go first. Therefore, go, Jesus said. He says, therefore, go. And a going church for a coming Christ. And he delegated authority to his 
church in and throughout all the generations. Then he says, all authority, therefore go, make disciples. Make disciples. This is our assignment. Not converts, not churchgoers. Just because you become a convert doesn't make you a disciple. Where does the word disciple come from? The word disciple comes from disciplined. It means a disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of what? Of all nations, the scripture goes on. It says we must, be a glo- we must be global in our thinking of all nations. India, the UK, Russia, come on, China. Is my Chilean family here this morning? Chile, there they are. All the best as you travel. Chile, Israel, New Zealand, Brazil, Sweden, of all nations, Australia. Hallelujah. Baptizing them, he goes on. Baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism will not save you. But it is an outward declaration of what's happening internally, that internal experience. And if you are a Christian here this morning, if you are a Christian here this morning, it is not an option. In fact, it's a commandment of Jesus for you to be baptized if you haven't already been baptized. It's a declaration to the enemy it's a declaration to the world it's a declaration to our family that the old is gone the new has come and we belong to Jesus so this morning I'm asking you a question if you haven't been baptized my question to you this morning is why why have you not been baptized the first step of a disciplined follower is to be baptized is to be baptized. I'm asking you the question this morning. Jesus' teaching goes on. Teaching them, he said. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We don't like that word obey, do we? Teaching them to obey. To obey everything I have commanded you. You see, uh, becoming a disciple is a process. How does it start? First of all, repentance. That faith step to repent, I follow you, I accept you, I repent of the past, I'm a new person, I'm a new creation. Then we step into the waters of baptism. Over here we have a baptistry, we do it once every month or so. And but there's, then there's maturity, maturity is involved here. And what I mean by that, there's faithful Christian teaching. Teaching them, Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's not about knowledge, even though that's important. It's not about knowing, it's about doing. To be more than just hearers of the word, James says, doesn't he? To be, to be doers of the word. So teaching them, we send people everywhere to teach. I was teaching in Devonport on Friday night. A church planner three years ago invited me up to speak at their, their outreach. A church of only 50 people, 250 people turned up it's in this little hall. Kids, families, children, everywhere. I was teaching them the gospel. Danny, is he here this morning? Not here this morning. Danny teaches in St. Leonard's. Christy was teaching in Melbourne on Monday night. We have a team who go to the Philippines each and every year when we can. And they teach to the people in the Philippines. John and Sarah are teaching people in India as we speak. Sandy Hart, some of us know Sandy. She's not well at the moment. She's in a will. She's here. She's here. Sandy Hart, where is she? She's here. Fantastic. Sandy, she travels the world. She travels the world. Teaching them. Teaching them to what? To obey everything that I have commanded you. June, June Younger, bless her. KYB, know your Bible. How many years did she do that? We celebrated her life on Thursday. June Younger, God bless her. 
93 years of age, teaching them to love, to obey. Hope Kids, teaching them. Dorothy and her team are teaching the children, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is not a promise of Jesus. This is not a promise of Jesus. This is a fact. He doesn't say, I will. What does he say? It's not a promise. It's a fact. I am with you, surely, to the very end of the age. We're not alone. We're not alone in this. He is with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we carry out the mission of Jesus by his presence and his power. He is on our side and he is by our side. Do we get a hallelujah or an amen in the house this morning? Amen. All authority, Jesus says, this is Matthew chapter 28. We're speaking from this morning. All authority. I'm pretty passionate about this subject. I'll start getting more passionate in a moment. Is that all right? Woo. All authority, all nations, teaching all my commandments to obey. For surely I am with you always in all things in all days. Jesus is saying that this is what you need to do. This is what you need to be about. It's why we are here. It's why we exist. You see, the church isn't a place. The church is a people. The church is a people that live on a mission. What's the mission? Well, that's the mission. The mission is that we make disciples by going into our workplaces, into our schools, into our neighborhoods. We go, therefore go. We make disciples of all nations. And we make disciples by baptizing people, but we also make disciples by teaching people as well to obey, to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. The church is the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, for Jesus is the visible image of of God, If he's the visible image of God, Colossians chapter 1, the, the church is the visible image of Jesus. The visible image of Jesus. Come back to my notes. <laughs> so, a great, a great commitment to the Great Commission is what makes a great church. Can we say that together? A great commitment to the Great Commission is what makes a great church. You see, today, instead of talking about what our church is doing in missions, and there's a list inside of there of what we give to through our Miracle Missions offering, instead of what we are on about, I want to talk about what missions is doing in us. How it's affecting us. By the way, this is God's idea. This is not, this is not Door of Hope's idea. This is God's idea. Missions isn't only about saving and serving the world in which we live. In many ways, it's about saving us. You see, a great commitment to the great commit to the great commission is what makes a great church. And so today, I don't want to just look at us fulfilling the Great Commission, but to look at what is happening in us as we have a heart together to fulfill the Great Commission. So first of all, first of all, what is missions doing in us? I believe, number one, the first thing that missions is doing in us is that it keeps our church focused on what really matters. It keeps our church focused 
on what really matters. You see, it's so easy in church life to get distracted. It's so easy with the hundreds of things in a week that could pull us in so many different directions. We could get distracted. It's so easy to be preoccupied. We can get so busy at being busy. And we can be on about everything else except for keeping the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing, Steve? We've, We've just read it, right? Matthew 28, to therefore go. And so our missions vision keeps our church focused on what really matters, staying true to what we are all about. A little quote that says this. Have we got that on the screen? It says, the successful man is just the average man focused. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. Maybe in your business. Can I ask, can I speak to business people just for a moment? And I don't, I don't do this. In fact, probably never done this. But to business people here this morning, what's your purpose? What's your mission? What do you stand for? What do you give outside of your own sphere and scope? Maybe, maybe, maybe Miracle Missions offering this year, you could give significantly to the Miracle Missions offering. Take that away. That's for free. Have a think about that. (laughs) Keeps focused. Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. Amen. But I am bringing all my what? My energies to bear on this one thing. One thing. And I believe that our mission's vision helps us stay focused on keeping the main thing the main thing. And my commitment to you as a church on behalf of the Great Commission, that is my commitment to you. To continually live as a church to make Jesus' last command our first priority. Second thing is that our mission's vision delivers our church from a shallow, selfish, superficial form of Christianity. I'm going to get really honest for a moment. Is that all right? Uh, Too bad. (laughs) You see, so much of Christianity today is about me and it's about now. It's about me and it's about now. What's in it for me and can I have it now? Yet, there is something about a mission's heart. And a mission's vision that takes this focus off me and now, me and now, and helps us focus on what? It helps us focus on others, and it helps us focus on eternity. From me and now to others and eternity. Jesus said it. Others focused, together in community. Jesus, others, together. Missions isn't only about saving the lost and serving the least. It's also about saving the church from a shallow, selfish Christianity. And I believe it's the heart of God and the purpose and the power of his Holy Spirit that has been given to the church. Not that its focus would be on me and now, that its focus would be on others and on eternity. We're only one heartbeat away from eternity. Do you know that? A friend on top of Mount Roland last weekend, his heartbeat stopped. He died on the top of Mount Roland. He went into eternity for two minutes and then came back alive again. I don't have permission to share his name. It's not the point. And what a testimony that will be. As I was coming back from Devonport, oh, it's still, it's still there. I'm sorry. It's still there. Hmm. As I was coming back from Devonport on Friday night on my own in the car, and there was no one else coming from Devonport to Launceston, I nearly went into eternity. I was fine, I was in the right, 
There was traffic coming at me. Oh, I lost a little bit of sleep on this one. And these cars were taking over each other, about four or five cars coming out. We're only one heartbeat from eternity. I had to pull over and I'm fine, I'm fine. Praise be to God. Woo. Oh, it's still there, it's still there. Where was I? <laughs> Ooh. Mount Roland, thank you. Second Corinthians, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away every time I exercise. I think about this scripture. <laughs> Anyone with me? Yeah, people my age and older, you understand what we are going through. <laughs> although outwardly, although outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, when you have a heart for God's work in the world, which that's what we say in the Miracle Missions offering, your focus is not temporal. Your focus is eternal. What's missions doing in us? It's keeping us focused on what really matters. It's delivering us from a selfish, shallow, superficial Christianity. And thirdly, it's giving our church a good reputation in our community and beyond to the glory of God. Think about it for a moment. And I don't mean this in a prideful way. You know, we've been praying for many, many years. God, and we prayed it again this morning. God, would you grant us favor in the eyes of our community? Not for our, not for anything to do with us, but for your glory. You see, reputation creates trust. And reputation to trust connects relationships together. We had a, 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 a show in here on, uh, yesterday, and uh, we had a funeral that came up during the week. And um, it, was, it was one of those funerals that they really wanted to be at Door of Hope to have their funeral, whatever way we could make it happen. And this was going to be a large funeral. Some of you I know know about this. And we said, all right, well, let's see what we can do. Let's cater for this. And we found out the, the backstory uh, behind this particular funeral that wanted to be a door of hope. And this particular person who passed away connected and identified with the mission and the vision. I think it was more than that. I think he connected with being a door of hope. And in a way, it was, it was a door of hope for this particular person. And so our team went to all lengths to make sure we could have this funeral here. And so there was a large show here and thinking, well, where are we going to do it? So they had the funeral, get this, at Door of Hope, at Mad Wheels. Nearly 500 people, I understand. 500 people in Mad Wheels. Because this person knew our reputation. And it developed trust which connected that relationship together. But I believe we're not only known on earth, I believe we're known in hell. And what I mean by that, the, the book of Acts in chapter 19 says that some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus from, sorry, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about. But who are you? Hmm. 
You see, I believe we're known not only on earth, but we're known in hell. Churches can be known for many things, by the way. And I think it's ironic that what our church is known for is doing the most fundamental, basic, primary task that Jesus gave the church to do. Known for our missions giving and known for our missions going. And that will do me. Good night. <laughs> you see, a great commitment to the great, commi- to the great commission is what makes a great church. What's missions doing in us? Number four, I believe that our missions vision gives our church a sense of being united together in community. It's a team approach. It's not one individual. It's a team approach. United together to a great cause and to a great vision, a purpose that is greater than ourself. The greatest thing I believe in life is to give our life and commit our life to something greater than our life. And I believe that missions vision, our missions vision, has given us a sense of together in community as team. An ownership together. That we're making a difference together. Fulfilling the great commission together. You see, a great commitment to the great commission is what makes a great church. Acts chapter 2, we look at the early church. All the believers were what? together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet, what? Together in the temple courts. They broke, they broke bread and in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What is missions doing in us? I believe it's keeping us focused on what really matters. I believe it's delivering us from a shallow, selfish, superficial Christianity. I believe it's giving our church a good reputation in our community and beyond to the glory of God. And I believe it's giving us a sense of being united together in community. But I also believe, number five, and this is my last point, I believe this, that it's given our church heart. You know, the worst thing for your heart is not cholesterol or fried food. The worst thing for your and my heart is selfishness, self-centeredness. That's the worst thing for your and my heart, even though I do like fried food. (laughs) Every now and then, every now and then. Missions helps us to keep our focus and gives us heart. A heart for what? A heart for the poor, a heart for the broken, a heart for the unreached, for the unloved, for the vulnerable, for the used and abused. You see, when we as a church pray, and when we as a church go, and when we as a church give of our finances to the Miracle Missions offering to others, something happens in our heart. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, 21, it says, for where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, I believe that you cannot give to the Miracle Missions offering without affecting your heart. The more that our gifts, the more that our offerings go there, the more that our heart goes there. The more that we sow into missions, the greater the heart that we have for others. And ultimately, you and I know that it's God's heart for the world to whom much has been given. Luke chapter 12 says, too much has been given. How many of us know that much has been given to us? We know that. However, to to whom much has been given, much is what? 
is expected. Much is required. You see, the purpose for having much, the purpose for blessing us with much is to what? To bless, is to give, is to share, is to help. Wayne Meyer, a great missionary, he's still preaching and he's still teaching in his 90s. Teach them. Wayne Meyer, he said, when a man prospers, either God gains a partner or the devil gains a fool. Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can. Buy so much stuff you need storage to keep it all in. Praise God for storage, by the way. Yeah. You will be enriched in every way so that you can, you can uh, be generous, he says, on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, the purpose of much to whom much, the purpose of much is so that we could be a blessed, to be a blessing with the blessing that is given to us to partner with God in his missions. Let's go back a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to bless you, what? Abundantly. So that, here's the purpose. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I believe God's hand is upon our church as our hand is upon others through our missions giving and our missions going. Can I finish with this and say this? This idea of missions, as I said, is not Door of Hope's idea. This is God's idea. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and look at the great apostle Paul. And he says this, Philippians chapter 3, he wrote to the church in Philippi, the church that sent him the missions offerings. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, oh man, no church... I didn't think this would happen. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. No church would help me plant churches. That's what Paul's saying. No church would be as generous as you, church in Philippi. No church but you. In the New Testament. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not so that I could seek the gift. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. To your account, door of hope. To your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The context, the context here is incredibly important because it's specifically given in response to a missions offering from a missions-hearted church to one of God's effective missionaries in the world. The promise, and some of you have spoken this over your 
or some people's other, other people's lives, that my God, he says, that my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory was given to what seems to be the only missions church in the New Testament that partnered with the Apostle Paul. That's the Philippian church who lived to fulfill the Great Commission. That's what they were known for. They were a heart church. They had a heart, they had a big heart. You see, and as we think about the church across the world, my question to us here this morning, does God have many churches with this as their priority? Because there certainly weren't many with this priority in the New Testament, according to Paul. But I believe, absolutely believe that God will fight for, that he will protect, that he will bless, that he will guide, that he will guard the church that exists to fulfill the Great Commission. You see, missions churches with that kind of heart are too rare and too precious for God to let them go under. You see, the great commitment to the Great Commission is what makes a great church. Today, the question has not been, what are we doing in missions? Today, the question has been, what is missions doing in us? First of all, I believe it's helping us keep focused on what really matters. And that's my commitment to you. And I believe it's delivering us from a a shallow, selfish, superficial form of Christianity. I believe it's giving our church a good reputation, our community and beyond to the glory of God. And I believe it's giving our church a sense of being united together in community. But I also believe that I believe, I believe, I believe it's given our church heart. It's changed and changing the heart of our church. You see, the more we take our treasure and we focus it on others, and we focus it on eternity rather than me and rather than now, the bigger our heart, the deeper our heart, the softer our heart, and the more our heart becomes focused on others, the more it becomes focused on others for the glory of God. Why? Because I believe that a great commitment to the Great Commission is what makes a great church. Got it in Jesus' name. All God's people said... Amen and amen. (laughs) Five things. Let me pray for us as we go into communion, as we share around the table of the Lord. As we just take a few moments, let's not rush this. What's your commitment? What's your heart? How is your heart? What will you and your family be able to give? This is a free will offering. You don't have to. These coming weeks up to December 23, we're going to have an opportunity to bring that envelope or to give online towards our miracle missions offering. I wonder what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. And it's between you and Him. And we're going to announce on December 30, Sunday, December 30, what that figure is. And we're going to celebrate together in community. And we're going to distribute that locally, nationally, internationally. The elders sign off on all of that. And so can I encourage us to, uh, to dig deep for our miracle missions offering. Father, we thank you for what missions is doing in our church. We thank you for what missions is doing in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's, this is your idea. It's not our idea. We thank you for your word that teaches us. We thank you for the truth, the wisdom and the authority that comes from that. Help us, Lord, 
to renew our commitment here right now to you again. Help us to give generously, prayerfully. Help us embrace the comfort that you give, that you are with us always to the very end of the age. Father, as we come together in community right now, as we share a meal together, although it's only a small meal, it won't fill us physically, but there's something very special spiritually that's about to take place. As you encourage your disciples to stop, to remember. And as we take the bread biscuit, remind us, it reminds us of the body of Jesus that was broken and it was beaten so that we wouldn't have to be. So that we could walk in healing. We could walk in wholeness and share in the mercy and the freedom that you bring. As we take the cup of juice, it reminds us that Jesus shed his blood for us. So we don't have to walk in fear. So we don't have to walk in shame or condemnation. That we can walk confidently with a God confidence in your forgiveness and in your mercy and in your calling. So thank you for these few moments that we stop, we remember the kindness and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. All those who have a living, walking relationship with Jesus are invited to participate in this meal. I invite the team to come now and to serve us in remembrance of Him.